Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, the Oscar nominations are here, which means we have lots to discuss and a ton to fight about. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 295 of Real Blend, a podcast that can't believe Madam Webb swept the Oscars. Well-deserved, <laughs> Madam Webb. Good job. I'm really proud of you. Uh, on this week's show, the Oscar nominations are dropping, which means that we have a ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, snubs, surprises, things that are making us really happy and things that are making us upset. My name is Sean O'Connell. I'm the managing editor at Cinema Blend and a co-host of the Real Blend podcast, joined as always by my very good friend, Jake Hamilton of Fox 32, who looks a little different than the last time that we recorded. A little older, a little more distinguished. That's hey, Jake, true. How are you? Well, I'm not going to look younger than the last time we recorded. No, that's a good point. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, Kevin somehow does look Benjamin Buttony. He does. He's throwing Kevin it in is reverse. the Benjamin Button of podcasts. I have Kevin McCarthy, a, a Fox Five in Washington DC. Okay. Aging filter on my on my thing here <laughs> on my uh, computer here. No, but it's awesome to be with you guys. And uh, I'm assuming Sean, you're going to set this up, but uh, our backgrounds may may look a little different than normal. But I'll let Sean set that up. This is so yeah, random. I, okay, I'm just going to jump in really quick. Get, yeah. One of my, just because you called out Benjamin Button, which one is a movie that I love, but one of my favorite office jokes ever, and, and Kevin, I'm curious if you ever got to this point, it's Michael sitting there, and for some reason he's exhausted, he was like, I'm more tired today than I was yesterday, and he pauses a beat and goes, I'm like Benjamin Button in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but I think that is one of the most underappreciated office jokes ever. That's a really good joke. It's good. Uh, Let's call out the fact. So if you're watching us on YouTube, you may have noticed that our backgrounds look completely different. And the boys are dressed up. And um, I've got a new Spider-Man t-shirt on. (laughs) The reason for this is... (laughs) we The the variation of like Kevin stayed the same. I changed but still try to look classy. And Mm -hmm. and Sean outdressed us all. I did. (laughs) Yeah. I put on a brand new Spider-Man t-shirt. The reason why we're... Uh, looking different and and in different backgrounds and in hotels, which may become the norm uh, for us because junket travel seems to be picking back up and interviews seem to be happening a little bit more frequently. Uh, We are in London, the three of us, and we are covering the Argyle junket. Um, Matthew Vaughn is going to be a guest on the show. Not not, not today. He'll be on on next week's show. Uh, So it is a hashtag it happened. Uh, And yes, Kevin. Well, I was going to say the last time if I'm correct on this, the last time we all recorded from this particular hotel that we are at in London was yes. our Tom Hanks interview for yes. a man called Otto. And it's funny because these backgrounds are very similar to where we were sitting when we were interviewing Tom Hanks. So just a shameless plug. If you haven't heard that interview, it's one of the funniest things we've been able to produce on this show. Uh, yes. And it was all right here from London because we were all here for Avatar. So it's just kind of a cool full circle to be back and then today we had another great podcast interview, which Sean and will talk go about. Find, go find the Tom Hanks. Uh, and the second, the second, well, both of them are terrific, but the second one is really, really fantastic. Um, so, yeah, so that's why we have different backgrounds. We're here in, in London. We're going to talk about Argyle uh, fully next week. And we're going to get into Matthew Vaughn, which is a terrific interview, which not only touches on um, the work that he did in Argyle, but gets into some great, great stories about uh, X-Men and, and his thoughts on Henry Cavill and Bond. <laughs> And Jake, I didn't even get a chance to tell you this, but when you pulled out that question without going too deep, yeah, but where you rattled off all the people that he's worked with over the course of his career, that was phenomenal. Like, I'm really glad that you did yeah. that because that, that set up a number of amazing stories that, 
that people are going to get to hear on the podcast. Well, it's just funny, and here's a tease for, for what we're talking about, is I rattled off some of the greatest names in movie history, and the one he called out is not the one that I would have... I would have. I think I even said, really? That one? That's a good tease. Uh, I'm going to leave that one out there for the people. So, uh, If you're on YouTube, thank you very much for joining us. Hit subscribe, turn on your notifications, head to the comments down below, let us know uh, where you listen to Real Blend from, uh, when you listen to Real Blend, and... Uh, We'll have a call to action later on in the show. If you'd like to sign up for Roblin Premium, head to the description. It'll tell you how you can sign up. You get, here are the things you get with Roblin Premium. It's really great. You get an ad-free version of the show and a newsletter from me every other week. And this week is a newsletter week, so I'll be writing something. Not about the Oscars. I think we're going to talk about everything we need to talk about with the Oscars in terms of this week's show. So you guys will get uh, a full blast of that coming on Friday. I'll come up with something new and unique and fresh and different to talk about. So as I said, check the description for information on where you can sign up. Now, I get it. It's Friday, and you guys are going to be like, ugh, the Oscars already still. Like, you guys have, we've heard everything we need to hear, possibly, about the Oscar nominations. But you haven't heard Real Blend's take on it. And truth, what we are, we're recording it on the day that they got announced. So mm. for us, it's fresh. And, uh, and our feelings are very, very passionate about certain things. They have to start with the big one. This show has been an unofficial cheerleader uh, for Oppenheimer from the day that we saw it, probably for weeks even leading up to the time that we were able to see it. And then with the Oscar nominations coming out, Oppenheimer leads with 13 nominations, including several of the big ones, Best Picture, Best Director. Um, help me out, Kev. What else did it get? Screenplay? Uh, oh, yeah. Cinematography? Uh, score? Oh, you, oh, yeah. Adapted screenplay, score, cinematography, yeah. production design, costume Killian. design, makeup, act, actor, supporting actress for Emily Blunt, right. um, Downey. obviously picture, Downey. Downey. Yeah. Okay. So a ton. Uh, let's get into the conversation that I think is top of mind, which is with all these nominations, do we feel it's Nolan's year? that he's finally going to get the recognition that he deserves. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, he's deserved this recognition for a long time. Um, and he's been nominated before. Uh, Dunkirk, he was nominated for Best Director. Uh, mm. Jake, you're usually good at this. What else has he been nominated for? Was it just Dunkirk? Um, Some screenplay nominations for producing, because a few of his films have been nominated for Best Picture. Like, I think Inception, like Inception. was nominated for Best Picture, so he would have gotten a nomination for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Dun- Dun- and, up, up until now, Dunkirk was probably his biggest Oscar play. Yeah, and obviously, and 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 the company that he's in in terms of this directing race is it, it, it was a hell of a year for cinema of 2023, and there were so many great filmmakers. And yeah, I, I do believe it's Nolan's year, and I and I think one of the things that's interesting about the Oscars and the narrative surrounding the Oscars is like we usually feel like people win when their time is due, um, you know, or like, you know, they should have won for this role, but they ended up winning for this role or Scorsese didn't win his Oscar until the departed, but he probably should have won it for, you know, Goodfellas and, you know, uh, anything taxi driver, raging bull. Um, I believe that this would be a win that is well-deserved outside of just the idea that it's Nolan's time. Um, because, you know, I think I, I, I find that, saying to be a little um a little belittling when someone says oh it's their time so they're so they have to win kind of thing that that to me discredits how great the film is that it may be winning that he may be winning for um Mm -hmm. and he arguably made his masterpiece with oppenheimer i mean i i I still love interstellar uh, as my favorite personally but 
he's winning. He he would we be winning for the film that he deserves to win for. It's not just like, hey, Nolan hasn't won an Oscar uh, for best directing or best picture before. Yeah. So let's just give it to him for this one. The, you know? I don't think that's the narrative on him this year. Like, it's I've not. heard that narrative applied to like Paul Giamatti. Um, and again, with Giamatti, it fits and it doesn't fit. Like, yes, you could make the argument that he has deserved, a, you know, an Oscar prior to this point. This is also an Oscar worthy performance, you know, yes. so you you can play the it's his time, but he's also getting it for a film where I think it he absolutely deserves it. I don't hear that that narrative yet on Nolan. And the unfortunate thing now is that there's too much time between the nominations and the telecast for all of these sometimes false narratives to start to it's like, can you weather the storm between when you received the nomination and when the the actual well, telecast happens so I, and i find frustrating. that frustrating is the exact word i would use for it because yeah that that's the problem is like the nominations are out and jake i don't know if you know the voting timeline or how when the voting actually takes place for that um but i i find it interesting because you're right it's like people could get tired of the movie that's the front runner between now and whatever was it Mar- the early march when the oscars are just ask and that's power a- of the dog it's like you yeah. never want to be the front runner. <laughs> when I know. is a good time to be the front runner? But I will say this um, to Universal Pictures and Oppenheimer. They have done a good job of kind of weathering that storm of the front runner aspect, because when the film dropped in July, I think a lot of people started talking about the idea that it would be a front runner at that point. And I think one of the things that we all discussed was, you know, well, that's there's so much there's almost a year until the Oscars, essentially. I mean, July to March, not exactly a year, but, you know, long enough. Um, they've done a good job of kind of keeping that film, I feel, in a good balance where it doesn't feel too front runnery. That's even a word. But it also we also know deep down that it is the front runner. That but changed I, today, though. You, you, 13 you, nominations tells everyone. Yeah, I don't. But You're I, the front I, runner. I, yeah. I, I think I think I think the issue, though, is that when that happens, when the front runner becomes the problem in terms of like a movie is such a front runner that people are just tired of hearing and talking about it. I feel like that would have happened with Oppenheimer months ago because that movie was talked about all the time from July on our show everywhere. I get that. And, and, I, and I don't disagree, but I don't think you can make the argument that it, that it's not the front runner anymore, or it doesn't have the image of the front. Oh, runner. No, it I, is. I think it is. I think it is far away. Let me ask you guys this. I'm really curious. Um, 13 nominations, one shy of the Oscar record, which is 14. Um, had Nolan, and I don't know if Nolan's a person to blame for this, but had Nolan not pushed the narrative of there's no special effects in this movie. What we did was practical, mm. da, da 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 And arguably, potentially, rumor has it, pissed off the visual effects branch of the Academy. Mm-hmm. Would we then be looking at Oppenheimer with uh, <laughs> uh, 14 nominations? I think it's a great question. And I, in my personal opinion, so we got to clear that up just a little bit real fast. So when, when that quote came out from Nolan about no CGI in Oppenheimer, that is obvious. He obviously was speaking about the idea of filming visual effects in camera. CGI is still considered some of the things they did in the film, which is removing wires or, or fixing time period things or whatever they were doing. All that being done in post, that's still considered right. Gabe, it's still considered CGI. So regardless of 
the quote I feel what Nolan said and what he meant got misconstrued in my personal opinion. People thought that he actually meant that there was no CGI in the film. And all it meant was that there was no CGI used to make the visuals that you're seeing. Um, you know, they, you, you, I mean, I guess that's that might even be inaccurate because you have to still deal with all the visual effects that you deal with in post, marrying them together with a computer. So it technically is CGI. It just to, to Jake's point, I, though, I think it's yeah. I think it's also. Uh, I think it's unfair to, to to narrow it down to that one quote. I think this is a long yeah. stand. Not that not that Christopher Nolan doesn't appreciate visual effects artists. And I think if you were having a one on one conversation with him about visual effects, he I think he'd have a very enlightened opinion about how to use them or whatever, and he'd have his own opinion. But this has been a long stand. I mean, you're talking about you talk about Interstellar. Like even then, they were like, "Oh yeah, we didn't use anything." Like it's. I think it's more of a long standing thing with Nolan. Not that he again. This is not about what he's saying is controversial. But if the idea is that a certain segment of the academy is rubbed the wrong way about it. I don't think you can reduce it down to one quote, though. I think it's just a I mean, but we, I mean, don't forget opinion. That Opp- it's shared. not that Oppenheimer didn't get nominated today. It didn't make the short list. Like right, we sure. went in today with it All not right. being not even not even being in contention to and be nominated makes, for special effects. And it makes no sense because the I think the big problem that general I mean, and I think this is a very uh, interesting point. People assume that visual effects generally means computer graphics means like means it, like doing something in the movie that like uh, like Optimus Prime that is CGI right and mm-hmm. I, and it's a computer of, of generated effect to create a character. Sure, yeah. And I think I think that people forget that visual effects is also practical. Well, and what's the what's the official title of the category? Visual best best visual effects. Which and let's so, be honest, the visual effects they always pick like the most visual effects. The Academy maybe needs some clarification there. But to to clarify the technicality, visual effects is computer-generated imagery. Special effects is on set, in camera. Whether you're creating a mirror, you know, a trick or not, that is special effects. Visual effects mm-hmm. is using a computer to alter the image. Whether that's generate, composite, or whatever, that's technically visual effects. So if they're... If the Academy itself is is a stickler on visual effects being visual effects and special effects being special effects, then then I mean, if Nolan's championing yeah. his movie for its special effects, then it's and then it's a, a great special effects film. And I don't can't begrudge, you know, that that particular group of artists for going, why would we try to recognize this if it's if it's not trying to hold up this department anyway, when there's all this other great work that's being done? Like, I don't know, necessarily know that that's maybe as controversial as it sounds. But also, I, I, I'm sorry, but I, Nolan's not going to cry over 14 nominations. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's fine. Because I, I, in general, here's what I was about to push back on, Jake. I was going to say, in general, I'm not sure people remember like what set a record for nominations. But when you said 14, like I remember Titanic and I remember, what's the one before? Ben-Hur? I think Ben-Hur was the one who... All about Eve. I think All About Eve back in 1950. I think um, I think Fellowship may have gotten La La Land. I looked. Yeah, La La Land. La La Land got 14. Oh, did it really? Wow, interesting. Okay. And last thing I do want to say about about the effects, just real quick, in Oppenheimer, it's like like do yourself a favor if you haven't had a chance, like check out the special features uh, on the DVD or or the iTunes, however you prefer to watch it. just just to just to get a view into kind of how they built the special effects in the film and the fact that everything was done in camera and all those crazy things that are happening within Oppenheimer's mind. Like I, I, I that film missing visual effects is kind of insane. Like, I just Did think the it's killer insane. Get it? You guys know no. if the killer ended up getting visual effects. No, 
No. Which, because in terms of, no. in terms of uh, how visual effects are I don't think the killer made uh, the shortlist. It didn't make the shortlist either. Um, all right. So, Jake. Yeah. Best director category. Justine yep. Triette, Anatomy of a Fall, Martin Scorsese, Killers of the Flower Moon, Yorgos Lanthimos, Poor Things, Christopher Nolan, Oppenheimer, and Jonathan Glazer, The Zone of Interest. Does anyone beat Nolan? No, no one beats Nolan. No one no, beats that's Nolan. it. You think that's locked? Yeah, I think I, yeah, I think that's locked. Um, can I can I use the best director category to ask you guys a big question and reveal a hot take of my own? Sure. I think if you're only going to have five best director nominees, we should just go back to five best picture nominees. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like lo- logical. Uh, I mean, I feel like more often than not, the director category is basically saying which of the best picture nominees have a shot, and mm-hmm. which of them were just added based on that tradition of no when when dark knight didn't get nominated the next year they expanded it i just i just don't other than Argo. being able to yeah but like i i feel like, i mean granted it's not always five and five it's not always five it's not always you know even when it, even when there were five best picture nominees it didn't always line up perfectly but it does basically tell you here are the ballpark of the best picture nominees to take that we're taking more seriously they should uh, yeah. choice it, baby, and just give 11 just, of every just category. Just fucking nominate everybody. <laughs> Were you released there. in the year 2023? Welcome. But yeah, <laughs> basically, it just, it just sort of feels, I don't know, like, like don't you feel that, like, like, even though there are 10 movies nominated for Best Picture, yeah. some Best Picture nominations feel just a little bit better than the others. Like, no, I agree like, with like, that. Like, Maestro, a, a Maestro Best Picture nomination is not the same as a Killers of the Flower Moon nomination. It's not. Well, and I saw that one of the trades, I believe is Hollywood Reporter, and now I'm going to miss the number, but I believe it's 3,000. I believe that there are 3,000 international members, um, voting members now of the Academy. Um, which they credit to the um, increased interest in pictures like Anatomy of a Fall uh, and Zone of Interest. And I think in specified categories like Best Director, that influence is starting to rear its head. But you're you're still going to get the American fictions and the Barbies. Uh, Like if you went with your five, Jake, you're saying that the holdovers wouldn't have a Best Picture nomination. Simply because Alexander Payne didn't again, get it. it doesn't always go five for five. But let's be sure. honest: what if it didn't? A lot of great movies didn't make that top five, and they just yeah. didn't. It just it just was what it was. In the same way that, like, you know, what if this were a year where Barbie wasn't nominated for Best Picture if it didn't make the top yeah. five? Like, I don't know. They like, generally, I'm, didn't they expand the field in a way to make more audience members interested? Well, yeah, because it was the year it was after the year after the Dark Knight famously didn't get nominated for Best Picture and people lost yeah. their mind. And so and that was let's see, that movie came out in 2008. So that would have been 2009 Oscars. So I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was the 2010 Oscars that first said it could 10. be somewhere between five and ten. And then it's I think so at a certain stupid. point, then they just said, OK, it's just going to be ten. But it just yeah. starts to feel like. You're a P, you're you're trying again, and one of my biggest complaints about the Oscars is that you're trying to get people that don't care about the Oscars to watch the Oscars. Well, I ju- if that's the case, then why wasn't Across the Spider Verse uh, nominated? And then 
one of ten. Oh, that's a that's a much you know bigger, I mean? much like, bigger like if you. But it was never. You know uh, it be? never really felt like it was a real contender at all this award season. It was. It was. It didn't feel like like across the like. It's not like it was being nominated by everyone, and then the Oscars didn't nominate it. It sure. wasn't. It wasn't striking. With I think, but more to, But to your point of like, if this is why it is, like, I, putting two and two together of this is why it's this wide, and this is what's happening. Like those movies, I don't know, are necessarily being recognized in that way, though. Like it doesn't. It still yeah. doesn't feel that broad. Like, but yeah, but like the broadest I, I think, movie is what Barbie. Yeah. Okay. Yes. But in the years past, like you could make the argument that like Black Panther was nominated and probably wouldn't have been nominated in the top five. Uh, you know. Uh, yeah. Maybe. It's. I forget what the field was I that think, year. I, I think back, back in the day, uh, the label the Best Picture nomination had more had a lot more weight to it. Yes, I would now, agree. There are still people who go out of their way to see the nominations. You know, once once they are revealed, and. Um, but I don't know what I don't know what kind of way. Yeah, and again, I'm not trying to like you know, the, the thing. I my always my defense of the Oscars as a whole is that it encourages people to seek out and watch movies that maybe otherwise they never did. And if they're sure. doing so with ten movies instead of five, that's great. But it it just feels like the yeah to your point that the value of a best picture nomination isn't what it used to be. Like I'm much mm. more impressed with a movie that got nominated for best picture in 1992 than I am a movie mm. that got nominated in 2024. Mm. Yeah, that's fair enough. And if that um, means that really great movies are left off the list, that means that really great movies are left off the list. It just, I just feel like we should go back. Can so I point right out just because you made, just because you made, I was curious. You mentioned the Black Panther. I, do you think it would have still made a top five? The winner was Green Book. No. Oh, but, but I want to give you the, I want to give you the ones that were that you have: Vice, A Star Is Born, Roma, The Favorite, Bohemian Rhapsody, Black Klansman, Ooh. Black Panther, Green Book. I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think it makes and granted, I'm not saying what are it the top it five. Deserve out of that, you think? Okay, say that again. Say those again. Roma is Roma top five. Yeah, Roma's yes. top five. The favorite. Yes. Yeah, probably favorite. A Star Is Born. Yeah. Yes. Vice. No. I say no. No. Okay. Bohemian Rhapsody. No. I unfortunately I say yes. You I say, say yes. You say, not not would it, but I'm just saying like, do you think it should be over? This? Oh, should yeah. or or would. Would okay, it, you think it yes, it, it would. Okay, that's yes, I think because it because it won so much other stuff. It's hard to say that it wouldn't have been nominated. Okay, so five. we have Roma, The Favorite, A Star Is Born, and Bohemian Rhapsody. And then it, and then, and then, and then you, you have, have the Green all Book. All you have left is Black Klansman, Black Panther, and the winner, Green Book. Yeah, I think you include Green Book and Black Klansman doesn't make it, and Black Panther doesn't make it. Okay, now, again, See, not saying Black that that's Klansman what should have happened. It. Okay. But then, it, then what but, do you take out of the five? It would make the top five for me as far as what should happen, I think. Oh, well, yeah. Well, yeah. should, should yeah. would, as we've learned with oh, the Oscars, enough. should and would are two completely different things. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think that five... I think that... You I think if I you had to love? do the old... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think if you do the old school five, that year is Roma, The Favorite, A Star is Born, Bohemia Rhapsody, and Green Book. I would love transparency. I would like to see numerical results. I would like to see transparency. Oscars are a feeling, man. Saying... You're never gonna, you're never gonna get that. You, <laughs> I would you, love for you it to want, say you want the producer of of a movie to find out that they were their the least favorite of the best picture nominees. Oh uh, yeah. Why not? If you are, you are. I mean, yes. I would like to see a little transparency. I mean, in, you in are choosing. You are choosing a winner. Yeah. And, and you're basically saying when you choose a winner that the other nominations were lesser than in some capacity. I think that, yeah, I think that, uh, I think that's not a way we should try to think about these things. 
No, I, it, believe me, none yeah. of this art should be judged this way. Exactly. Like, I don't think it should this be the seen as a format. competition. I think it's more of a... But it is! Well, it I think it's more... It I think it is if we make it. I think that you could also argue that this is a temperature check of of but where d- this industry dude, is at the time, not which the one award of these is, is best picture. Sure, and I'm saying which, that, me, which which means that the other films are not the best according to the Academy. <laughs> and I think that it's a little more nuanced than that necessarily. And, like and I, I always think of it in the same way that. Um, I don't know. It, I, when you talk about baseball playoffs, it's it's it, it very rarely is the team that wins the World Series is the team that won the most games in a regular season. Sure. It's just, baseball is all about team who got, got hot, hot at the, at the right, right time. time. Yeah. In the same way that, like, had the Oscars been six weeks before two years ago, we'd be talking about Best Picture winner Power of the Dog. But instead, it's Best Picture winner Coda. Like, it's... It's 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 always just a matter of, you know, who's hot at the moment that the Oscar voters are voting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I listen, I I don't want to romanticize this idea, but Jake brought up an interesting point about the 90s and like like there was such a weight to an Oscar winner. Yes, mm-hmm. a best picture. For, for a long time, it was such a big deal when a film won best picture. I'm not saying it's not now, but it does feel like it's dimmed in a way. It's and less. I think I think social media plays into that. I think we're too connected to the process now. I think there was a mystery that we had as kids. You know what I liken it to? It's like when we were when you used to go to the movies and find out a movie was coming out based on the trailer you were watching in that theater. Like I didn't know Lost World was even being made until I saw a trailer in a movie that I went to see. And I think there's it's a double edged sword. Listen, we, we, we this this podcast is done on a movie website that gets millions and millions of page views and people are hungry for this type of content. Sure. But I do I do believe that there is a check that we need to make within ourselves that it, it not that we're diminishing or belittling the concept of the Oscars. And I'm not saying websites in general. I'm just talking about in general as a society. I think we're almost too connected to the process now. And I think once the Oscars hit. And I know it's our jobs. Once the Oscars hit, it doesn't feel like it did. It doesn't have the weight it did when like, you know, when Shakespeare and Love beat Saving Private Ryan at the Oscars, I was emotional. I was so like I was I couldn't believe it. And I don't know that I feel that way. About well, let me the push Oscars back slightly. Like I did. Let me push back slightly on that. We've been doing this a long time. Yeah, there are YouTube channels out there right now with people who are as hungry as we were. Yeah, they they really care. We just been doing it too long. That's, that's well, no, the reality no, no, no. of it. I want to clarify. It's not that we don't care. I, they, I, yes. I, I, uh, I yes. think there's a I think there's an element of almost too much access. I wonder. Uh, but that's to to uh, that's kind of the point I was getting at. Though. Okay, I, there was a fair point that you're making, but that was my point of of we shouldn't look at it as a competition. Like us on this side of it, we have no control of the vote. We have no control of which movies are made. So looking at it for us on this side of it, getting ten instead of five. If we restructure the way we're looking at Oscar, sure, it's not this weird presti- prestigious thing that's a bit pretentious. I think that's also just a natural evolution of this type of award ceremony of any sort of audience being like, oh, okay, it's re-, when they give you, you know, a Shakespeare in Love versus a Saving Private Ryan, it sort of loses its own luster on its own. But I think us as the audience can look at this and go, great, there are 10 movies that we're celebrating. Let's talk about why those 10 movies are great and why they deserve to be Mm -hmm. here. Whether they're the first one on our list or the last one, that doesn't really matter. It's not a competition for first, second, or third. And to Jake's point, the winner is just whoever was a top of mind at the the end of February, you know, and that's okay. Like, 
Like that's a that's a wonderful thing we can celebrate. But keeping that list in mind as again not a competition of this one versus that one, but of a here is what this year looked like and why we should look back and celebrate it as we get into this next one. I think I think we I think we have control over that. Is my point. Well, we we have two different segments on this show. One where we go back and look at Oscar winners and scoff at what won and what didn't. Right. But another where we go back and look at our own top ten lists and go, mm-hmm. ooh, really? We put. We put that one. So yeah. like, we're just as guilty as the Academy of just liking a movie when we like it at the moment, yeah. the way that we like it. And it, it's, not, it's to no which one's is, fault. Which is exactly why I say we, we shouldn't talk about it like it's a competition. I get that there's voting and there are numbers involved. But because we know that it's not going to stand the test of time, because we know we are going to change and the movie's not going to change. Sure. We should just look at it for what it is, which is a Trademark, temperature check in the maybe. moment trademarking that statement i think scorsese or someone said that first but i love that we took it from me (laughs) sure Uh, sure (laughs) i i still do think the weight of what an oscar means has changed to jake's point like i like and again i think from a history perspective let's say a new movie fan is you know born into the world and 13 14 years later they go online and they want to they want to look up a list of the, uh, all the past Oscar winners and watch all the best picture winners over, over the history of time. And that, that win, regardless of what time frame we're in is a historical prestigious moment in cinema mm-hmm. for whatever film ends up winning that year. And I think, I think the point I was trying to make about our access, and this goes along with like just movie watching in general and the behind the scenes stories that we cover and look at and read. And then we go see a movie and we expect it to be a certain way, et cetera. Um, I mean, the nature of our business is uh, I'm basically being a hypocrite here because I do this for a living. <laughs> and so yeah. I think I think I think I just I just wanted I want the Oscars to feel like they did when I was growing up. I want them to feel important again. I want them Andy to wants feel to play with his toys, man. Yeah. And I, I just and I still get butterflies like Jake and I. So we're in London. Jake and I and Sean, we just finished interviewing eight insanely famous actors uh, and actresses and, and filmmakers. And Jake and I were, were uh, in this little side room after we were done with our interviews, watching the Oscar nominations together. And Jake looked at me and he's like, dude, this is so cool. Like we get to do this. And he's 100 percent right. We're going to take a quick break and come back on the other side. We're going to talk a, a few of the major snubs that happened Uh, A couple of milestones for some some talent that we truly appreciate uh, and dig a little deeper into the Oscar nominations on the other side of this break. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. 
And we are back. All right, so this is a topic that I would really like to get to because I don't quite understand it. Um, Barbie gets a Best Picture nomination. Uh, this has been the year of Barbie and Oppenheimer. They were the two driving forces of so much of the film industry. Uh, those two films, when they came out in the summertime, rejuvenated the box office. I'm not saying that they saved cinemas, but it was great to have a cultural moment happen where you know mass audiences were coming together to support both of these films. Barbie, um, I think, absolutely deserves to get into Best Picture. I was legitimately shocked. Um, not Greta, because I'd been hearing enough stuff from people saying, like, is Greta actually going to get in? The director category is, is competitive. I'm stunned Margot didn't get in. Um, and, and not only am I stunned that Margot didn't get in, I, I am... I can't believe, and, and again, I don't think that the Academy can can look at this from their big picture, but to give a nomination to Ryan Gosling um, and to not give one to Margot and Greta is a really bad look. I think that's a bad look, and I'm not quite sure that they can America Ferrera did that. get a nom as well, though. I understand that yeah. as well, too. And I also believe me, I also understand that Margot and Greta are getting nominations by being producers of the film that's, that's sure. in Best Picture. Yeah. Um, but I just think that I'm 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 shocked. I'm I I don't know how else to say it, but I'm stunned that Margot did not make it into Best Actress. I was telling Jake this earlier, and I started feeling this rumbling about Margot in my gut not getting into the actress race when the film first came out. And I'll tell you why: because so much of the conversation surrounding that film was about Ryan Gosling as Ken and America's speech, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I'm. I was very happy that America got nominated. That was a really, really cool nomination. And I think her speech at the Critics' Choice when she accepted the See Her Award, I think a lot of that factors in. Like, that speech was beautiful. Her monologue in the film was beautiful. Um, Back to Margot. I think Margot is so good that we take her for granted. Um, It's kind of like the Matt Damon effect that Jake and I talk about sometimes. We're like someone, right? Jake, you know what I'm talking about. Like, we're like, Mm -hmm. you put Matt Damon in a film, you expect him to be great, and he's just great. Like, he crushes it in air. But we're not talking about him as an Oscar nominee here, even though I would argue that he or Viola Davis deserved an award, a nomination from that film. Um, You could have gotten it. I think the point I'm making is that Margot is Barbie, and we almost take it for granted how she keeps that film together. She is so great in that film that it's almost an afterthought because you just already assume she's amazing. And I think what Margot does so well in Barbie that I don't think we're talking about enough is she it's it's the allowing of the whole ensemble to be at their best. And she's part of that picture. Right. And I think because Ryan's stuff is so showy, I would argue um, not that Margot's isn't. I think that became more of the conversation the America monologue became more of the conversation. Um, Greta not getting a, a director nominee. That's a it's, shame. It's a, sh- it's a shame. And, and I think this is, but I felt this when the film first came out and the conversation around it. Like people weren't really talking about how great Margot was in the movie. And I found that to be weird. And like Jake made a point uh, on his show today about like Barbie didn't get nominated for the Barbie movie. And I guess the argument to that could be like Top Gun Maverick. Cruz didn't get an actor nomination. That's that's his title character as well. But the fighter jet did. Right, right. But but the film but the film did and the director didn't. So I I guess I'm not comparing Barbie and Top Gun and Maverick at all thematically. I know what you mean though. Yeah, yeah. But I'm comparing. Maybe the Academy views Barbie as more of just a Top Gun like a blockbuster. 
I think the reason that's the what, reason that's I'm bringing that up about Barbie though is it's both like it does so much. Right. Yeah. Right. Barbie mm-hmm. does so much thematically, and so so did Top Gun. Top Gun had some really good thematics as well. But I do think if you look at both those movies, you can you can consider both of them to be saving of cinema in terms of like the billions of dollars of box office they produced. And I think it's fascinating. But I I to Gabe's point, Barbie is such a deeper film than a blockbuster movie. I, it's I mean you're opening with a 2001 homage. And then you're dealing with thematics that are that have been around for years and people are talking about them more and more now. I think Barbie is, a, in my opinion, a better film than Top Gun Maverick. But I think the reason I'm using that as a comparison is because of the box office and how successful it was. Um, but the Greta nomination, not the non nomination for Greta is to me even more is even worse than the Margot not getting a nomination, because I think that, again, to the point of the blockbuster storytelling Greta's movie is considered in that blockbuster territory, but that isn't that is an artfully made film. Like, I don't think people realize the behind the scenes of how they shot those transitions between Barbie world and and, and the real world. Oh, that is her vision. Old, it's an old school filmmaking movie with a voice of a generation in, in terms of a director that we're seeing. And that's why I think she deserves a nomination. I really do. That one was crazy to me that, that she wasn't nominated. Jake, do you assume that Margot was number six on the list? Here, here's kind of what surprises me, is that like, I feel like the, in the best actress category, you can tell who knocked her out. And I think the person who knocked her out is a little like, you knew Carrie Mulligan was going to get in. You knew Sandra Huller was going to get in. You knew Lily Gladstone was going to get in. You knew Emma Stone was going to get in. Mm-hmm. I always thought Margot Robbie was in that fifth category. And if you had said Margot Robbie didn't get in because Greta Lee did, I would pause and mm-hmm. go, you know what? Sucks, but okay, I get it. I mean, you know, it, was it makes time, sense. It was just, we, we've talked a lot about how stacked Best Actress is this year. But mm-hmm. the fact that Margot Robbie didn't get in because Annette Benning did for Nyad. And look, I liked Nyad. I, I texted Sean after. I was like, dude, I actually really like that movie. Mm-hmm. Does Annette Benning deserve to be in over Margot Robbie? No. No, like it's not even to me like Annette Benning would be much further down the list. Um, the fact that she somehow snuck in and took that fifth spot from both Greta Lee and Margot Robbie, I think is yeah. I think is kind of ridiculous. And you can't always tell. You can't always tell who's that person that 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 got in over someone else. But yeah, I, I mean, I think in th- I feel like in this case you can. I do. I do want to um, just pause for a second because Jake brings up Greta Lee because we didn't touch on it in the picture category. Just shout out to Celine Song, like for a first time filmmaker. Nominee. Screenplay and Best Picture nomination. Picture. It gives me. Past Lives got the same number of nominations as Nyad, and that shouldn't be the case. But dude, I mean, I mean like that's like 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 some of the biggest films. But well, the last thing I want to say about Past Lives is it's a movie that Past Lives being nominated for Best Director. Or I'm sorry for Best Picture and Screenplay. I find is a miracle, and I'll tell you why. It's two reasons. One, first time feature filmmaker crushed it out the park. Just genius film. We had her on the show. Check it out. Great conversation. She's great. Oh my God, she's great. The other part of this is this. That's a film that could have easily been buried. Like, you're talking about a year with some of the strongest but it wasn't filmmaking. Though. The last eight weeks have been nothing but no, people going nuts about past lives. So, how did it only po- get to? That's the point I'm making. So, like, the movie came out in early June. I did the junket in, like, on May 31st. A24 has 
you know, we talked about this earlier on the show, and this is an interesting point we can go into at some point on our show as well, is how these studios position which one's going to be their Oscar film. Like Netflix, you know, they knew it's going to be Maestro, um, Nyad, and, you know, you, you go into a campaign. A24 generally has... A bunch of Oscar films. I mean, they won everything everywhere all at once. They are completely aware of their campaigning and they had a bunch of great films that came out in 2023 for past lives to be like a, a smaller film in one of their major you know, campaigns and to survive from June until now. And a film that didn't really make a lot of money at the box office. I don't think but it it's made good. Money. Oh, no, no. It's, it's really amazing. good. No, you're you're the missing good the point I'm making. Sustained. Because I, I would equate it to like a whiplash or something like that. That's just 100% first but movie, I, essentially. I think I think Past Lives, I'm just so happy for it because it's my number two of 2023. I've, I've been in love with that film since May and I've been talking about it since May. And I'm just I just didn't think I was worried it wasn't going to survive the six or seven months leading into this because of the Oppenheimers, because of the Barbies and the zone of interest. And there's so many other films that are being talked about. Isn't Zone of Interest A24? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about that. A24 has <coughs> two Best Picture nominations. Does any other studio yeah. have that many? And they won last year. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, A24 has their campaigning down. Like, for past lives to survive is Bradley amazing. going to work with them next. Zone of Interest just came out. So just to that, get it. No, I know. But I'm, I'm I, I just you got to give a 24 credit for their campaigning. Yeah, like, good for great. them for for supporting their filmmakers. Well, I mean, Leo should have hired them. Yeah. Because Leo yeah. did not get in. Does for he actor. care anymore? Do you think? No, no, he doesn't. He like he got well, I disagree. I think he cares. I think he cares. But you know what? I'm going to go on the record. Hot take. He doesn't deserve it for this picture. Disagree. He's he's, he's done way way Disagree. better films and we'll go to the actor category no, but you, you can't do that. that's not fair you can't you can't i know he, he wasn't he's not up against no. himself no 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 but i'm saying this is not one of his best performances i would not have but I would do you not think that all five of the, the nominees give better performances than he does for yes, best actor i do okay I, all right that's, to me do. that's a much more valid argument than... so, so best actor we have paul giamatti for the holdovers bradley cooper for maestro Coleman Domingo for Rustin, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. And I will argue that after every single one of those performances that I watched, I I felt very strongly that they were going to get into the best actor uh, conversation. I thought they all were terrific. Yeah. You know who I don't who I don't think should have been nominated. Who, Jake? Tell us. Go back on all the Real Blend episodes. You can figure it out. Bradley Cooper is terrific in Maestro. He's he terrific. Is. He gives an outstanding performance. You talk about somebody who has to tow a line back and forth between um, mm. his closeted sexuality and the relationship that he has with his wife. Yeah. Um, I think to carry the arc of his career from the earliest time when you see him, when he gets that surprise, you know, call to come and conduct uh, to the way that he carries the weight of that fame all the way through. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that we had a conversation about the prosthetics and Maestro at the beginning of, of before anyone really even got a chance to see the film, uh, <laughs> I thought kind of handicapped that picture because I don't think the prosthetics are bad. And I don't think that they do anything to really distract. They didn't distract me from his performance at all. His voice, the vocal intonations that he takes on to do it, um, him. And I watched a clip of Carrie uh, uh, Mulligan's character, uh, an actual clip of the, of the person. Felicia. 
and was stunned at how much she sounds exactly like her. I mean, yeah. I, you're, Jake is sleeping on Maestro, and that also, will be the case. I, I will sleep on Killers of the Flower Moon forever. Jake is sleeping I, on Maestro forever. That's fine. I think one of the most underappreciated moments in cinema this past year is the REM joke in Maestro. And I don't, really I don't know <laughs> how they landed that in that tone. It was perfect. Um, I want to pose a question to you guys because I find... I, I think it's interesting to think about like that particular race in terms of like best actor, because there's so many amazing performances and going back to the point we were making earlier and then we'll cut to we'll go to a break here shortly is the narrative surrounding the nominations up to the voting. And when it happens, does the front runner become, a, you know, two front runner and they don't want to vote for that person because they become the front runner. So the Giamatti story is interesting since we're talking about best actor He's become, I would argue, and I'll use this term, a social media favorite. And Mm -hmm. I say that because after he won his Golden Globe, what's what's weird about the business that we're in is you have to take in every factor that would go into the voting, not just the performance. This goes back to the question about when someone's deserving or not deserving. Giamatti went to In-N-Out Burger after his Golden Globe win, and he's sitting in In In-N-Out Burger with the Golden Globe on the table. That goes viral. Legend. I, th- I believe when that something like that goes viral, that does start to impact voters' minds. And I'm not saying he's going to win the Oscar because he ate a double-double with cheese or whatever he had in In-N-Out. But I do think that's a factor. Jake says this all the time. Good speeches can lead you to win the Oscar. And mm. when he got on stage for Critics' Choice and when he got on stage for Golden Globes, He's become that speech giver that everyone's loving to see up there. They all love Paul Giamatti. Holdovers is a movie that I don't think anybody dislikes. It's a common film that we're all just kind of comforted by. And so this now goes into the narrative of the question of Cooper. I'm sorry, the question of Killian versus Paul Giamatti. And my question to you guys is whether or not you think Giamatti ends up winning this because of the social media grace that he's been getting and the speeches he's in, is giving, and do they just knock Killian out because oh they'll give it to Best Picture anyways? Like how much thought process do you think goes into things like that? I, I think it's a lot. I I don't put that much stock into the impact that social media has on uh, because if that were the case, you know I think Greta Gerwig would have gotten a Best Director. I th- I think Celine Song would have been in for Best Director. I think we'd be talking a lot more about past live nominations. Um, you know, I, people are obsessed with Anatomy of a Fall and Zone of Interest, and they did both did well today. But I mean, those those are the movies that I see talked a lot about on, on social media. So I can't I, I really don't think a majority of the of the Academy members are online. And yes, yeah, so the, the in and out thing goes viral. And that's I, I think Academy voters are much more likely to see that like on their local news than they okay, are online. Yeah. But like, sure. You know, I, I think there's. Do you, you know, think that affects it, though? Do you think like an Oscar voters at home watching KTLA in L.A. and they see this hilarious photo of Giamatti and they go, oh, I see. I think again, I, I think does. I think I think it's more timing. I, I, I think by the time Oscar voting comes out, I got to ask, I forgot about the in and out thing till you brought it up. Um, I, I and I think by the time it's time to actually vote for these things. We'll be on to the next thing. I'm not saying that's the deciding factor. I just think little things that lead up. I think he's become a favorite because of his personality, because of what he's doing in his speeches. Hold on. Right now, today. Jake, who wins best actor? Giamatti. Kevin. Why? Why? No. Who wins best actor today? Giamatti. Because of what I'm saying. I think it's Giamatti, too. 
Yeah. All right. Let's throw it to a quick break. And we'll he wrap has it up on the that other side. grace with the people right now. He just does. Killian's kind of an introverted dude. And I think he's just not going out there and playing the game that Giamatti is. And we talk about this game all the time. Jake, you know what he I'm also hasn't, he hasn't. I don't think he's won anything yet. I don't think Killian's won anything yet. So let's throw it to a break. Critics groups. And we'll, we'll wrap it up on the other side. And we are back. Okay, so today's big topic has been the Oscar nominations. Uh, I want to call out really quickly. Uh, Martin Scorsese has now become the most nominated uh, living director. Incredible, incredible achievement uh, for Scorsese. And joining him. Uh, Who was it of, before him? I think it was Spielberg. I think he just not uh, moved out Spielberg. Um, because Spielberg got a nomination today. For producer. For producing Maestro, but he's still nominated. Oh, for producing Maestro? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, but let me ask you um, this. Um, I read an interview, and I can't remember who it was, but Scorsese made a comment about, when you think about the, the amount of times Scorsese has been nominated and lost, literally yeah. for every film since other than The Departed, uh, I think he made a comment that like at a certain point in his career, he just had to accept that maybe like the Oscars weren't for him, that maybe he mm-hmm. wasn't. I mean, and, and, I, and I understand his argument, but now it's hard to say like, Dude, you're the most nominated filmmaker of all time. Like, I mean, granted, he's only won one, but like, right. where, where where do we stand on the Oscars and, and Scorsese? Do they just they well, do they do they love to nominate him and not give it to him? You know, there is a definite East Coast West Coast bias. Sure. Um, amongst because Scorsese has never really done a movie about the. I think he has done a movie about the movies. Um, the Aviator, kind Hugo. of. Hugo. The Aviator, Hugo. kind of. Hugo. Hugo, I guess, kind of. Um, Hugo is about movies. Yeah. For some reason, I fall into a category of like that there are directors that are very California-based. I guess I would put Spielberg in that conversation. Sure. Um, well, he was Altman Arizona. kind of falls like one of those yeah. guys. And uh, and so they're they're glad-handing. They're at the same parties. They're, you know, they're all kind of running in the same groups. Well, Lucas would be that guy. And Scorsese felt like he was like the, the outcast, you know, who never really left New York and, and made his movies and, and they get recognized because he's so gifted, you know, that how do you not uh, acknowledge the work that he's doing? I guess in, in response to my take on Scorsese and the, uh, and the Academy, the one thing I'm most proud of him for as, as if he gives a shit is he doesn't, he's never made an Oscar movie. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've never, I've never, circled a movie that he's put out and said like oh he's doing this for oscar attention yeah. i think they're all driven by stuff that that interests him at the time yeah and even if That's you want to make the argument filmmaker. that like yeah if you want to make the argument that like the irishman you know felt like a, it never it didn't feel like an oscar picture to me no you know it was still just him exploring the really interesting all, uh themes also, that were for him at the time it's also very interesting that we to point out how much the quote unquote Oscar movie has changed, right? If you like the, what, sure. what, what is, what is an Oscar movie? And I think we've had discussion before on the show about there's different genres like comedies and horrors and why, why those genres are kind of not as accepted in, in the, in the best picture or why is Green it not Book cinematic? Is an Oscar movie. Green Book right. still and, strikes me as an Oscar movie. But I will argue, and I hope this trend continues, that we are opening up a bit about what an Oscar movie is. Everything Everywhere All at Once is, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that that fits into a quote unquote Oscar type of category. That movie is insane, unique, yeah. amazing. Um, Coda was just a heartfelt film that just worked. I don't know that that felt like an Oscar film. Um 
you know, even even going back to Return of the King and things like that, they they the Oscars have been able to step out a little bit. Well, um, I don't think I just, Four Things is an Oscar movie, to be honest. God with no. You. Right, and what's funny about that though is your eleven nominations. Ha- he's but he's become an Oscar favorite. No pun intended. Yeah. Like like he like he like he is like. When Yorgos puts a movie out, it's probably going to get nominated for a bunch of awards. And I think he's become one of those it filmmakers. I Poor Things would be a wild best picture winner because that movie is so out there and so and so unique in, in, in its interest. I, I, I just love this. That Going back to Jake's point about the 10 categories. I do like the 10 if because it does give the ability to have so much genre changing elements within this, like the zone of interest couldn't be more different than Barbie and anatomy of a fall couldn't be more different than, you know, American fiction. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I think, I think it's cool to see. Um, and while they might not all win, I, I, I do hope that we can get away from the concept of this is an Oscar movie, but you're right. I mean, like people want to consider Maestro an Oscar film. And, and I, I do think that's a little belittling, to, to, but I don't, it's yeah, I, I don't think he, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I, I, but I want to believe he didn't make it to win an Oscar. He made it because he actually felt that he, he wanted to tell the story. Martin Scorsese and Steven Spielberg told him to make that movie. <laughs> That's essentially why he made that film. I, I just think, uh, but to say that Cooper made that film to win an Oscar, I think is belittling to the concept of him as an artist and the stories he's trying to tell. Like at the end of the day, Maestro may quote unquote fit into an Oscar category. It's the four, three ratio, one, three, three ratio, whatever, black and white, et cetera. But I, I, I choose to believe and, and do fully believe that Cooper is just a storyteller who wanted to tell this story and it just happens to be a film that could be nominated for an Oscar. I don't really believe he sits around and thinks to himself, I'm making an I'm Oscar mostly, movie right I'm now. mostly being cheeky, but I would point out Go that ahead. the last movie he made that had a bunch of Oscar nominations was the fourth iteration of an Oscar movie. <laughs> like, okay, but like A Star is Born might be the most nominated story of all time. <laughs> like, sure. I mean, you're, listen, listen, I, you're, you're not wrong. I, I just... Maybe it's just my not or what's the way Alden said my naivety. 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 Yeah. I think of course you have to be passionate about a story to tell it. It can't just be sure about that one thing. But I think and I would like to point out that as of today, yeah, oh, and no. let, let's 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 assume that he doesn't win anything in a couple of weeks. He will be zero for twelve at the Academy Oof. Awards. <laughs> And you can't tell me a man who's 0 for 12 ain't thinking about winning yeah. an Oscar. I also think it's okay if he wants to win an Oscar. Like I tell you, I don't think it needs to belittle the work. I think he can be passionate about the work, but also go, I think this yeah, is going to, people win, yeah. are going to appreciate this. Like every actor, no matter what they are, they grow up thinking about holding that statue when they're sure. a kid, you know, like it's fine. All right. Let me really quickly just get into an egregious snub that bothered me the most. And that's Daniel Pemberton, whose score for Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, I think truly deserved to be recognized. I think some of the stuff he did, uh, on that soundtrack is is revolutionary. I will uh, recommend that you guys go back through and find our interview with him where he can break down some of his process. Uh, Jake, real quick, defend your boy because I, I think John Williams took his spot. <laughs> and John Williams look, for the, look, his, for the last I, I, indie film. I can't necessarily defend uh, a nomination for um, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. I gotta be honest, I couldn't particularly defend a nomination for The Fablemans, which I believe was literally only like 18 oh, minutes of new music i i think yeah. he's sort of the meryl streep of composers where if he works <laughs> he gets a he gets a nomination but the thing is too is that like 
I, I mean, it's not like they give him wins. You know, he's he's know. he's 54 nominations, but I think only has five Oscar wins. So the ratio ain't great. You know, it'd be one thing if they gave him a win, if they threw him a win every. But I I think it's been like three decades since he won an Oscar. I, I want right. to say Schindler's List might be the last one he won an, an Oscar for. Um, and so it's just sort of like, you know, even he sort of had probably at this point, I mean, the dude is, you know, the dude, excuse me, the, the, dude. the maestro, the, 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 to me, the, the, my maestro, my maestro is, uh, is, has, has achieved a, a, the, an incredible age of 90 plus. And, like uh, you know, even, even he's probably going, I don't cut to go Cut to Jake's it. interview when he sits down with John Williams and says, hey, dude, how you doing? Dude, dude, dude. Johnny. Johnny. Dude, bro. Johnny. What's up, bro? Uh, he's also, he's walked back his comments about retiring also. Yes, he, he has. Is, he's now said that yeah. if the right, right movie were to come along, which which sometimes I feel like that, you know, in, in the same way like we were talking Indiana about. Jones you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at that point, you kind of give credit of like Harrison's on board. You know, it's you want to get the, I, I, you want to get the band back together. John Williams can do whatever the hell John Williams. John Williams, do, yes. <laughs> I, I, the, no, the, no complaints on my end. The Pemberton thing is crazy to me, um, and and I, I know the Academy is not listening to Real Blend twenty four seven, but I have a good authority that they are. <laughs> anybody who listens to the Pemberton interview that we did and hears what this guy did to make the music that you're hearing in Across the Spider Verse. And the fact that he wasn't nominated is insane. And I'm not saying the other composers, you know, didn't go through a rigorous process as well. But there's something about the way Pemberton spoke about finding sounds and atmosphere in his music that really, really, to me, like if you're if you're considering the best score, if you're considering it as a competition, a best, like what's the best score? Um, you know, obviously, I think Ludwig will end up winning and it's a great score. 100 percent deserves it. But Pemberton not being nominated is absolutely absurd. It's embarrassing, actually. There because, is one saving grace, yeah. which is that Beyond still has time. To True. Sure. So I think that th- that could be the sort of thing that guarantees him a nomination where they go, oh, well, that was a miss. And, you know, this is the, I assume, the last one uh, with yeah. Beyond. Like, to me, at least that maybe maybe at least ensures that he's going to be nominated. Yeah, uh, and I think. I know that, I, yeah. We talked about A24 earlier in terms of their successful campaigning. I think the biggest winner, well, Universal. Universal gets a huge vote of confidence. But Netflix getting Nyad across the line. Yeah, they sure. deserve They deserve some some big credit for... Because Annette Benning and Jodie Foster both getting in there are, yeah. are, did, are did you guys, surprises. So. Did you guys see the tweet I sent you guys where it was a list of all the films that got zero nominations? And I, I, I was kind of shocked. I'm just going to read this real quick. Origin, Ferrari, Priscilla, Saltburn, The wow. Killer, John Wick 4, Asteroid City, The Iron Claw, All of Us Strangers, Mario Bros, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And like I was reading that list going, how did Mario and Turtles not get into animated? You know, and I, then, I, I, I felt the same way about Turtles, but admittedly there's a lot of the animated category this year that i need to catch up on i'm pretty sure it was just a really strong year for it was animation outside of the tentpole uh studios i think was really Mm because i I was reading people talking about the other films and i was like whoa this wasn't even my radar and people were super passionate with how good some of those films were 
But so, some yeah. of those and other that, movies, Saltburn, Priscilla, yeah. Ferrari. Saltburn surprised me because Saltburn seemed to hit right when it needed to. Like, I felt like everyone was talking about Saltburn on TikTok. And again, just a reminder that, you know, right. that we, we, we discuss oftentimes the bubble that we live in, that just because everyone in your circle is talking about a movie right. doesn't mean that that's going to translate to any. I feel like Including- that's the, to me, that's the perfect example. Including the Real Blend podcast. I mean, we hey, just spent uh, an, hour, an hour talking about films that you're going to forget what we said by the next day. But I'm going to forget what we said week. by tonight. In the meantime, uh, head to the can, comments can, and give wait, us your can biggest I say one takeaway. Thing? Of course. Can I say one thing? Yep. If you haven't seen Origin, please seek it out. It didn't get any nominations. And I think Ava DuVernay did a phenomenal job. And it's just a bummer that, that an Anjanou Ellis should be in that actress race, in my personal opinion. I just think that film is incredible. So... That's all I want to say. Uh, now. Give us your biggest takeaway in the comments down below from this year's nominee. Follow us online at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach. And the show is at Real Blend. We'll have plenty more to say about these nominations and these movies. Thank you guys very much for keeping it here with us. Matthew Vaughn next week on Real Blend. Until then. Add a stunts category. Dune. Part two.